I'm Kieran Lynch and welcome to Overcast, the Chocolate Sheep Podcast. Each episode will bring you latest insights, advice and technical updates for the sheep industry. We're joined this week by postgraduate student Lisa McGrain and Dr. Philip Crichton to discuss the results of an ongoing study between Chagosk and UCD examining how companion forages, namely chicory, plantain, red and white clover, perform alongside a perennial ryegrass sward in sheep systems. Now with four years data collected, Lisa discusses what impact these forages have had on UNL performance. We move on to discuss the impact this has had on drafting, concentrate supplementation and carcass specification. Keeping some of these forages in this world can prove challenging and Philip discusses this in more detail as well as some of the aspects they are examining in that array that may help improve the persistency. Finally, with the upcoming technical open day in that array research centre Lumen, Philip explains how this is an ideal opportunity to hear more about Lisa's work and from the other ongoing studies in Chagosk. We start off, however, with Lisa giving us a bit of background to the project. So I'm a PhD student based in conjunction with Chagas and UCD here in um, Chagas and Athenry. And my project looks at, it's called the addition of a companion forage to a perennial ryegrass sward on Yeoan lamb performance. So basically, um, over a four year period from 2018 to 21, we are evaluating um, uh, sward types such as perennial ryegrass plus white clover perennial ryegrass plus red clover, perennial ryegrass plus plantain, or perennial ryegrass plus chicory, and then comparing that to a perennial ryegrass only sward. And we're looking at um, sward performance and animal performance um, on those sward types. So Lisa, in each of those there, it's a standard perennial ryegrass and one companion forage, and of course there's a, a control of just perennial ryegrass. Yeah, that's right. So you've that in for four years. You've Look, we've had you on the podcast before, and you give us a good bit of background to that project. You have a lot of animal performance data collected over the last couple of years. I know you're presenting some of that at upcoming Sheep Open Day. You might just take us through briefly in terms of performance. And I suppose this is where this companion forage has an interest and a role in improving performance. What can impact has had that had on growth rate of lambs up to weaning? Yeah, so um, over the four years, we followed um, the lamb performance um, over in each of the four years and over the four years what we've seen is there's definitely um, an improvement in animal performance when you're including one of the um, companion forages that we've mentioned um, the types of results that we're seeing um, over the lifetime of the lamb um, with the inclusion of a companion forage we're getting um, increased performance up to between 17 and 31 grams per day um, so the, the lambs on the companion forages are gaining 17 to 31 grams per day more than those on the grass only sward. And we're seeing that that's getting the lambs finished faster. So the days to slaughter, how many days it's taken for those lambs to get to the adequate slaughter weight is reduced by between um, 16 and 28 days in comparison to a grass only sward. You've also looked at this in your So is it your milk yield that is driving that improvement in growth rate? Um, interestingly, when we look at the lamb performance, we've definitely seen um, an increase in lamb performance in the post-weaning period, but not as much in the pre-weaning period. And I guess that's backed up then by the results that we've seen in your milk yield. So we haven't really seen any differences in your milk yield based on this sward type that the yo is grazing. And I guess that, I suppose, maybe is the is the answer as to why we're not seeing um the same levels of animal performance benefits in the pre-weaning period as we are in the post-weaning period. Yeah, again, because it's largely dependent on milk yield and that's driving a lot of the diet. I suppose, Lisa, the other element of that too is they have different growth patterns than our perennial ryegrasses. 
So does is it in part maybe the sword composition during the year? Do we see as much of these herbs and legumes in the early part of that season versus post-weaning? Yeah, so I think that's definitely a factor. So for example, um, particularly the clovers are quite sensitive to the temperature and they need a higher temperature to start growing than a ryegrass sward would. And so we do see a seasonal trend in, say, the um, proportion of clover in the sward uh, across the year. So in the early spring, you'll have very low levels of clovers in that sward and in the the pre-weaning period you will have low levels of clover in the sward whereas that's increasing increasing over the over the year and you will have higher much higher levels of clovers for example in the post-weaning period and perhaps that's the reason that's driving the uh, increase in performance in the post-weaning period. So Lisa like what kind of grazing management are you implementing on this like what are you even going at pre-grazing post-grazing heights in the pre and post-weaning period? Yeah, so um, for the purpose of the experiment, I guess we have to treat all the swords equally. So we're um, having a rotational grazing um, in the pre-weaning period where we're grazing to four and a half centimetres. Um, in the post-weaning period, then we use um, a leader follower system where the lambs um, graze ahead of the O's down to six centimetres. And then the O's come in uh, straight away afterwards and they graze down to four and a half centimetres again. It's a fairly standard grazing management practice. Yeah. And look, when we're talking about the post-weaning period, look, concentrate costs have gone up. That's one of the big challenges. Improving post-weaning performance is something you've seen. What has been the difference? Like you're going to have a fairly standard drafting weight here across it. How has that changed during the year? And is it is yeah. it fairly consistent across the year, that increase in performance? Yeah, so it's, it's fairly consistent, um, the differences between um, the proportion of lambs drafted um, between the groups over the course of the year of what, what we do here in Nathan Rye is obviously a, a similar to a commercial farm. Um, we graze the lambs um, as much as possible on the forages and on the crops in our pasture um, across the year. And then at the end of the year, in around October time, the purport, whatever proportion of lambs haven't been finished at that point are housed. Um, and when and they're housed and finished on um, on a concentrate diet. And when we looked at the um, the proportions of concentrates fed to the different groups over the four years, we've seen that on average, as a result of the lambs on the um, forages finishing faster, they're receiving a lower level of concentrates, um, an average uh, six to 11 kilos less concentrates per head um, on a lamb, which is finished on mixed sward type compared to the grass only. So you're, you're killing a set carcass weight of 20 kilos or so, and basically because you're more than drafted, you have, you have less meal to put into that system. Yeah, absolutely. And that would be a huge saving um, financially. It would, of course. And look, I suppose the housing there, it's, it, we have to bear in mind it's a research study, so it might necessarily be what you would do on commercial level. But that improvement of performance has got rid of a lot more lambs out of that system earlier. Absolutely, yeah. So just in terms of the carcass of those lambs, like you've looked at that as well, is there much difference in confirmation or fat score or kill out on the different crops versus perennial ryegrass? So no, we have followed carcass um, carcass confirmation, fat score and killer percentages and we haven't seen any difference um, among the different um, sword types. We haven't seen any difference um, in those measures in the lamb performance. So it's pretty consistent. Philip, I'm going to bring you in at this point. Like Up to now, like as Lisa's indicated, we've improved some performance, particularly in that post-weaning period that we really want to get lambs moving. And it's potentially an area that's a bit more challenging. One of the questions that often comes up with this is, will these herbs and legumes last in sport? Like we know what white clover we spoke about before can be challenging. Do you see similar challenges with these other herbs and legumes and how long will they last in system? 
Yeah, so absolutely, Kieran. It's it, it's it's a massive challenge, um, and I suppose yes, our experience with them um, in this study um, would suggest that some of the some of the forages are going to last longer than others. Um, I suppose what Lisa has presented there, you know, um, our first objective with the trial was to see well <clears throat> if we have these forages in the sward you know, will it bring animal performance benefits? And and, and, and as, as Lisa has outlined, the answer is absolutely yes. Um, the next challenge then is, is, to, is to maintain that level of performance in the longer term. And I suppose the way we've gone about that is, is that we've learned from, I suppose, how some of the forages behaved from 2018 onwards. Some of them were starting to drop off quicker than others. Um, and as part of Lisa's studies then as well, what we've done is in, 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 in a kind of a side study to the main systems grazing work, um, we've put in a lot of plot component type um, studies looking at some of the things that might influence the, <clears throat> I suppose, the initial establishment and, and the plant stand and, and, and you know, how much is, is, is in the sward from day one and then how that might um, be influenced by um you know, you know how that might influence the persistency over time. So some things like that we're talking about. You know, the initial establishment method, um, the the initial seeding rate, and 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 that's what seeding rate in terms of the seeding rate of the companion forage, but also the seeding rate of the grass. And I suppose one thing we're kind of learning is, is that maybe our traditional mixes, maybe we're putting too much grass into the mixture and it's, it's, it's creating too much of a challenge for the, the companion forage. So we need to look at that, maybe giving them a little bit more space to get that little bit stronger in the early days and that may help with persistency. And then I suppose another question that we have and, and are often asked is, is, you know, maybe the severity of grazing, particularly on, on the herbs, we'll say, um, or red clover for that matter, which traditionally, you know, wouldn't have been used in grazing settings. Um, we're looking at <clears throat> the different grazing severities there in terms of, terms of different post-grazing heights. And look, <clears throat> we don't really have answers on those things at the moment. We're, we're in motion, and I suppose Lisa is very busy trying to work her way through some of that data now as well. There's two or three years worth of data for some of those aspects as well. Um, but I suppose <clears throat> those are some of the issues that that would be maybe relevant and, and potentially we can... You know, by, by changing our management or, or, or manipulating some of those factors, we may be able to um, increase the longevity of the sword and maintain these, you know, very obvious animal performance benefits for longer. It's going to be a challenge, Philip. And as you said, it might just be a case of tweaking some of the management, maybe increasing yeah. post-grazing sword height at different times of the year. But it, it is one of the challenges there, that performance benefit or savings that can be made could be potentially lost if we can't get them to persist in the sword. So it's a very useful piece of work. Yeah, and absolutely. And I suppose the, the, an, an important part of this is we'll have, we'll be in a very good position in that we'll have animal data, we'll have sword data and component data to try and inform some of maybe why the reasons what we're seeing. And then we can, I suppose, pull the whole lot together and model both from an animal point of view, a sword point of view, but most importantly, I suppose, from a financial point of view, um, implications of these different systems in the, in, in the longer term, as you say, um, short term. Uh, you know, we can we can see the results, but we, we need to be sure about what the longer term impacts are in, in terms of our advice. Well, it's a very interesting bit of work. And look, for anyone who's listening to this podcast as it comes out, you have an opportunity to talk to Lisa and Philip about it a bit more at the Open Day. And Philip, you might just give us a bit of background to that. Yeah, so we're having our Chagas Sheep Open Day on the Saturday, the 18th of June, Kieran, um, from 10 o'clock in the morning to 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, 
as you say, there'll be a lot of information on the grassland program and the forages program, but across the whole entire sheep research and advisory program, we'll have information there from all the different um, projects and, and programs that we're running. Um, it'll be an opportunity for people to come in. I suppose the last two years we haven't been able to have, you know, our discussion group visits and that, which we would have had in the past. Um, so it's an opportunity for people to come in and, and meet the likes of Lisa, you know, who has been working away here right throughout the lockdowns and um, gathering all this data and, and creating all this this information. Um, but maybe, you know, a lot of people mightn't be aware of even some of these projects that are going on. So it's an opportunity for people to come in, see what's going on, ask questions, talk to everybody. Um, and hopefully it'll be, it'll be a good day out for everybody. Definitely. It's well worth the visit. Nothing like seeing something like that in person. Listen, great having you both on. Lisa, thanks very much for coming back on us. Philip, great having you on. Good information. Thanks, folks. Thanks, Kieran. Thank you. Okay, we're going to leave it there at this point. It's great to see that information coming out now, the impact it's having on animal performance. Hopefully, we'll get Lisa on again to discuss some of the sword characteristics and persistence issues and how we might overcome them. As Philip has indicated, the Sheep Research Open Day is happening on the 18th of June. It's an excellent opportunity to meet Lisa, other members of the Sheep Research team, and see some of the ongoing work. I've included a link in the description where you get a bit more information about the upcoming open day. That's it for me for this episode. Again, for any updates on our sheep program, keep an eye on our Twitter page at Chaga Sheep. I'm Kieran Lynch. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe and get updated for any new episodes.